You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. How many wingers do you need? Like, my goodness. I've never seen anything like this. If we're looking for improvement, we're not seeing it. This is our fault that we didn't tease you enough. You know, I've I've never said that, not even to my wife. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Permit me a personal question. What size shoe do you have? I don't know this about you. I'm a 12 or a 13. Ooh. What about you, A dog? 11, 11 and a half. And Laddie? 10 and a half. Oh, man. Okay. What are you, like a four or something? Yeah. Or <laughs> I just got into the adult sizes. <laughs> Alfred's like, I have little baby feet. <laughs> hey, if you fit into the junior skates, you can save a I lot went of money. To, I went to buy the boy a <laughs> pair of runners the other day. Yeah. And brought them up to the counter, and <laughs> oh no, <laughs> she's like, "Those aren't going to fit you." Yeah, she's like, "Do you want, do you want the receipt in case you need to return them?" And looking at me, and I'm like, "You know, these aren't for me, right?" <laughs> it was a time, folks. It was a time. Okay, we got a big Did show. They have the little wheels on them too. Lights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you bought LA lights. Little blinkers on them. Do they make LA lights anymore? I don't, I don't know, but I love those shoes when I was a kid, man. Um, those and pumps. Remember the pumps? Yes, I had a pair. Of, I had a pair of the uh, the Reebok All Black with the the street ball pumps. Those you still do, don't you? Like. Know the ones I wanted were the Michael Chang tennis pumps, the one, and the the little pump ball actually oh, yeah, had yeah, the, yeah. the tennis ball fuzz on it. Mm-hmm. Good times. Okay, we're already distracted. It's six oh two in the morning. Let's get focused, shall we? We've got a big show ahead. Canucks Rangers tonight, seven o'clock, Rogers Arena. Five other NHL games, uh, ten NBA games. Big game in the Premiership, Jason. My my stakes. Are on the line here because I said that City would catch Arsenal. It's City. It's Arsenal today noon. City can draw even on points with Arsenal. Okay, I will allow that preview. I yes. thought you were going to be like it's Leeds, it's Wolves. No, it's Leeds and Everton on Saturday. Okay. Duh. Okay. Well, uh, all right. It's a big day. There's also Champions League football as well. Uh, so we got a big show ahead. Very excited to get into everything we need to talk about and to talk to all of our guests. But before we do any of that, uh, we need to tell you what happened. <laughs> Did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? Like that classic 80s comedy, the Canucks went back to school yesterday at practice. Rick Tockett said that they were going to go back to grade school to learn how to defend, and they did exactly that with a series of dare I say, rudimentary drills to teach the guys where to go when they have the puck and, more importantly, where to be when they don't have it. Yeah, the drill that I think got the most attention was this drill where the whistle would blow every time a pass was made in the offensive zone. So, well, I guess it would be the defensive zone for some players. but Sure. um, So a pass would be made to the point, and then the players – defensively would adjust to that pass and the whistle would blow. And Taco would basically be like, 
Is everyone in the right spot? The only thing missing was a fire alarm and then the teacher ushering all the people to the safety zone. Yeah. It was very much a grade school remedial drill. Everyone got popsicles at the end if they did it right. What kind of fire drills did you do as a child? I don't think did everyone you got awesome ones. <laughs> I don't yeah. think everyone got popsicles. Oh, yeah, yeah. The as long as you did it right, you got a popsicle. So, God, you guys must have had a big freezer at that elementary school. <laughs> it was the best. Usually the reward was not dying in the fire. Don't ask what happened <laughs> if you didn't get it right. So let's keep going, guys. Yeah. And talking keep... about sports. Oh, right. So we uh so so the drill would be, you know, like a pass would get passed to the point and the whistle would blow and everyone would look around and be like, Are you in the right spot? And then uh the pass would go to the other point. And the players would adjust. And the whole thing is being done to make sure that no one gets lost in their defensive coverage. Yep. And, um, you know, when we were talking about most practices, most NHL practices that we've been to are just a lot of, like, flow drills. So it's like you dump the puck in, you go get it, you break it out, and you just it's just in the flow of things. Sure. This is more teaching like this is this is uh, and i don't think we should make fun of uh the canucks too much for this type of drill like these drills are done but most of the time it's at like training camp if you're trying that's a good time to do that it's at training camp if you if you're trying to like teach guys the new system or maybe you're trying to teach penalty killers a new um i don't know structure well there's that word again right structure so a lot of this is, I think, according to talk, it is to protect the middle of the ice. So if there's a pass made, for example, if it goes from point to point, and then you got to make sure that everyone has adjusted, and then it goes down to the half wall, then everyone's got to adjust again. Because if one person gets lost, and if one person's like, ah, I forgot to move, then that opens up the seam pass. Yeah. And how many times have we seen these massive seams open up within the Canucks defensive coverage, then it's an east-west pass, one time or boom, it's in the back of the net, and everyone's like, we need better goaltending. Yeah. Which they do. <laughs> Which it's they fair, do. Right? I know. Like, you know, but like I think that's what Talkett sees. Like he he's been talking about that. I think even on the TNT broadcast he was talking about seam passes getting through the Canucks, mm-hmm. right? Like he this is an issue that is not going to get solved until everyone is on the same page defensively. Yeah. There's still going to be mistakes. I mean, there's still going to be seam passes that get through. There's some pretty good offensive players in the NHL. But the amount in the the glaring seams yep. that would open up. I remember Cheech had that famous line on the broadcast, like it looks like you could drive a Mack truck through that. Like That is what happens when guys aren't sure where to go or they just they know where to go and they just have a little like, ah, I forgot. So when I was in high school, personal anecdote time, uh, the basketball coach that we had, we were super lucky. He had played professionally in Germany. This just happened to be his alma mater that he came back to to coach. Right. So he had a different level of like understanding, and he had seen things from you know other professional coaches. So when it was on the defensive side of things, if for example, like if a guy ran out to stop a shooter, 
and the guy drove by him. Suddenly right. you've got four guys defending five now, right? Yeah. So he had incredibly specific ways, and it was a rule. Like, there were rules. It mm-hmm. wasn't left to interpretation. It's like, this guy goes here, this guy goes here. The, so everyone moved around. That's what you hear from talking. Right. right. So rules. Every, we have rules here. Every single guy knew exactly where to be, so it wasn't left up to... Ah, they'll figure it out. Right. Which I think, and I don't want to throw shade at Boudreaux, but that was kind of his overall coaching philosophy mm-hmm. at times. Was ah, they're professionals. They'll figure it out. Go run some line drills, boys. Like that kind well, of thing. Well, it was right? a motivational factor too, right? Yeah. For, for him, he was like, guys, you guys are good hockey players. Go out and play. Mm-hmm. And it worked for half a season. And then yeah. it really stopped working. So, and, then, and then he was like, God, are they good hockey players? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, and now, so, but anyway, the, the point of the anecdote was that um, we had to go over it. God, I remember the practices. They would be like two hours long, and some one person would screw up where they went to be, and you had to do the whole thing over again. And I remember, and most of the times it was me. And I remember, because I couldn't think that fast. It was hard. And I remember thinking, by the time we finally figured it out, it was like just second nature to do these things. And But the, the important thing was, was that there was never any question about um, who was supposed to do what job. And then when it broke down, you knew who to blame because that person wasn't doing the job properly. Right. And so it's it was a fascinating look into what happens when you talk about that sort of next level of coaching and discipline and planning and structure. Um, it really does matter. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think the Canucks have played half a season without it. Because you're, you're, what we were talking about yesterday was like what should have happened right. at the beginning of the year, not game 50 or whatever. Well, and that's why you and then and then you go back to uh, the whole question of why was Bruce the coach? Yep. <laughs> you know, if they didn't believe in him, and I know we've gone through that. I mean, there are reasons, right? I mean, budget is one of them. Um, not wanting to pay yet another coach, um, and also the difficulty that this management group might have had in firing Bruce after Bruce. There it is. I mean, that's all part of it. Yeah. It is. It was unfortunate. Half a year kind of got wasted. Um, other takeaways from yesterday. Uh, Vasily Pod Colson gets elevated to the top line with Petey. And then Tockett went on, spoke a lot about, it, very candid, by the way, Rick Tockett in his scrums and in speaking with the media. I'm sure some of that has to do with working on a panel mm-hmm. for the better part of a year and a half. I also think we're finding him candid because he's new. Sure. And probably some of the stuff, you know, coaches, uh, uh, you can have like a guy that's that's really well-spoken and, you know, has a lot of interesting things. And then it's like three months later and you're like, he's saying the same stuff again yeah, because they have their things, right? They, they have their things that they personally harp on. Yep. Right. And we've already heard, you know. We already know what Tocca likes to say is like protect the guts of the ice. For oh, that means middle of the ice. He doesn't like river hockey, which most of us call pond hockey. But like that's that's a thing that that he that he says. So yep. there are going to be certain things that he harps on because stop and that, start, start that, and stop. Yeah, stops and starts. Uh, you know, uh, small bites. Yeah, he said he used the elephant thing yep. again yesterday. They, they the just, elephant is important. They just keep eating this elephant and yep. this this poor elephant. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess it's still. I guess it's dead, but I'm it's sure in it's the room. I mean, anymore, yeah. it's, that's taking up a lot of room in that dressing room. Yeah, it's big. But he's sticking to the script because, as mm-hmm. he said, small bites. So that elephant could be around for the rest of the year if you're consuming it in small small oh, bites. I think it's going to be around for a while, man. <laughs> oh, 
talk. It might be that the next coach might come in and be like, there is a half-eaten elephant in the dressing room. What right is now. that in the corner <laughs> over there? <laughs> it looks like a murder. What is a crime instead, scene? <laughs> instead of putting very, very uncomfortable words in Rick Tockett's mouth, let's let the head coach speak for himself. Uh, this is Rick Tockett on um, the Silly Pod Colson as a North-South player and how that might benefit both him and Elias Pettersson. Take it away, Greg. Well, I, I actually liked his first three games. I, I, I thought he struggled last game. Uh, just get him a little different, fresh fresh guys. Uh, you know, if he can, if he, we can develop a give-and-go game in his game, cause problems around the net, then Petey can do his thing. I think if you get too much east-west with Petey, it's like, listen, I... Playing with Mary Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, the two best players I've ever seen, and you guys probably say the same thing, they never wanted to play with East-West guys. They want North-South guys. And same thing with Crosby and McKinnon. You know, if we can get to develop these wingers where Petey has a North-South st- style of player, it's going to make his game easier. Then, you know, you play with East-West guys, it's tough because most of the teams protect the guts of the ice. So I think Pod Colson's a type of player that welcomes that, the gritty guy that, that can cause problems going to the net. I do wonder if that was some of the messaging when he went down to Abbotsford, or maybe they were expressing that to Jeremy Colleton to get a more north-south game out of him because uh, it make I mean it makes sense, right? Especially in the well, he's he, that type of player. Luke, just yeah. watch, just watch him play. Like he's not a dipsy doodler. No. And when you talk east-west players, it's it's guys that can make those cross-seam passes, and then the north-south guys are the guys that finish it, right? Yeah. For the most part, but also they're guys that will drive the net. Yeah. And they're not going to be dancing on the on the perimeter. Um, they're, they're, he's a big, powerful, young hockey player. And as he gets more confidence in his ability to not just go around guys, but right through them, yep. that's really what you want out of him. Uh, Rick talked yesterday. Now, you, you mentioned in that clip, uh, Sid and Nathan, or McKinnon and Crosby, or however he put it, that, twice that he dropped those two names in particular. So there's, again, as we try and parse through the words and look at some of the recurring themes, it's notable that he mentioned those two guys. Mm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they might be the two best players in hockey, not named Connor McDavid. And uh, they've won, cha- won championships, and that's the bar. That's kind of the bar that Tuck is trying to set. You notice he's not pulling on other examples. He's pulling on... Who are the best? Who are the elite? Where's the right. bar that you have to reach? So he also used this in discussing a little bit of a dust-up between Dakota Joshua and Quinn Hughes yesterday. A uh, little bit of a size differential. Hughes <laughs> jumping up in several weight classes to do that one. But it spoke to a larger compete level, which I know we don't like to say, uh, but competitive balance, competitive nature at practice. And I think Quinn Hughes taking on a bit of a leadership role mm-hmm. as well, more of a leadership role that he's – getting involved and willing to call guys out. It's a very good point. So here's Rick Tockett on the dust up and then practicing hard. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you know, I, 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 I was, uh, the old Ron D'Amico was in between those guys, you know, I don't want, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. D'Amico was tough. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, you gotta, it's okay to make it uncomfortable with your teammates and then uh, you go for lunch and you still love each other, but that's, competition you know uh, the Crosby's and McKinnon's those guys practice hard they they're fighting against their teammates in, in a good way not actually fighting and we need that hi hi how are you hi. doing buddy I thought yeah. you were gonna have something to say after I that thought, I thought you were gonna have something to say <laughs> after that one too no it's I just think it's really interesting for now what talk it is saying because the entire thing the entire like lid is being ripped off this one right I mean we talked a lot about that that 
Um, he's gone after players. He's gone after the team. He's gone after the culture. And now, in explaining things in a little bit more detail and a little bit more candidly, we're finding out that there's a lot of things that need to be adjusted with this team in terms of structure. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was on the show, not last week, but the week before, he said number one priority is establishing the leadership group. Yeah. And then they went about doing that pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. In the physical sense, putting the A's on guys and having the, the actual leadership group uh, identified. But now he's gone a step further, and you really kind of, I mean, especially with Pedersen and Hughes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's one big takeaway from his first few games of the charge. It's that both have been wildly productive, but both of them seem to be either more assertive with their play on the ice or more assertive in, in knowing that they are going to be leaders moving forward. Well, they've been challenged to be leaders. And that's part of it, right? Yeah. you got to throw down the gauntlet sometimes and mm-hmm. say, hey, no more of this you finding it yourself. It's time for me to push you a little bit. Um, I think NHL dressing rooms have such a um, hierarchy in there that's determined largely by how many games you've played in the NHL and how, how long you've been in the league that when players come into those dressing rooms, um, regardless of personality, especially if they're young players, they don't say much. And the Sedins would always talk about this. When they first came into the dressing room, think about some of the players that were in that room, they didn't say much. But when it was time to take over and when it was time to be the leaders and you kind of graduate to that role, in large part because you get better, but also because some of the other veterans aren't there anymore. That's a good They've point. either been traded away or they've retired or they're just it, – it's just almost like <laughs> – I imagine it's a bit like the feeling of going to high school. And so my high school went from grade 8 to grade 12. And when you're in grade 8 and grade 9, you go in there and you're like, I'm scared mm-hmm. and I just want to see how this place operates. I'm not going to make uh, – I'm not going to be too lippy. I'm just going to – I'm going to go about my business. and not going to wear that flashy hat. And learn how this place runs. And then in grade 10, you get a little more confident. And then you graduate to grade 11 and 12, hopefully. Yeah. And you sit there and you're like, wait a minute. I run this place now, right? I think, I think and, it was the entire th- plot of Dazed and Confused you just threw out there, actually. Okay. Well, yeah. that's – but that's, that's- – how I think that's, <laughs> I think that's how rooms are yeah. a lot of the times. And then suddenly you look around and you're like, you're Quinn Hughes or you're Elias Pettersson, and you're sitting there going like, I'm not a rookie anymore. I played hundreds of games in this league. There are young kids coming up to me – for advice, or there are young kids sitting in the room quietly, someone better say something. That's me, JT Miller O'Banion. Who just keeps coming back? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Was that Ben Affleck? Yeah, walks around with a big paddle. Just oh my like, God, <laughs> that's like perfect. I'm getting older, too. these players stay in the same age. <laughs> that was Matthew of, McConaughey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope no one throws a, bu- a bucket of paint I on him, or else it's going to get real ugly. What a classic prank. There's Quinn Hughes up there. He's like, no, I'm the leader. <laughs> you just got uh, a kid of wedgie. <laughs> okay. uh, we should talk about Thatcher Demko real quick yes. because he addressed the. Uh, Trade rumors. Uh, this is the first time he talked to the media since his injury in December. Um, and it sounded like he was dying to talk to the media because he wanted to put to bed these rumors that have been quite frustrating to hear. I suppose he could have always just said, hey, I'm going to talk. Earlier. Earlier. In the process. I don't, maybe Although I guess his agent was telling guys like Rick Dollywall, like, he's not asking for a trade. So right. he was using his agent to to get that word out there. Anyway, here's Thatcher Demko talking about the uh, trade rumors that he was hearing all about while he was trying to rehab an injury. The rumor mill runs hot sometimes, Thatcher. What yeah, that's think? on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but when you hear reports that uh, you want out, what do you yeah. think? You know, I, I, it was a little frustrating for me. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm not even here to defend myself, you know, talking to you guys. I'm out on the sidelines and I start seeing that stuff popping up, but, you know, it's not true. I'll just say that point blank. Um, I've, uh, I've seen uh, a few things, you know, floating around, but, um, you know, I've, I've never said that, not even to my wife or, or anyone, you know, close to my circle. Um, I have no idea where that started, but, uh, yeah. So I, I do believe that Demko hasn't asked for a trade, but I, I don't know if it changes the fact that the Canucks have to consider all options when improving their team. So, like, I, I'm not going to take that from Thatcher Demko and go, like, boom, he definitely won't be moved. Because this is a team that can't afford to not take calls mm-hmm. when other teams call. And the report a few weeks ago was that, I think it was from Emily Kaplan at ESPN, is that a bunch of teams or four teams or something had called the Vancouver Canucks about Demko, and they didn't say no. So that was the report. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't saying that you know, the Canucks are definitely going to trade him. It's just that they're considering all options. And when Patrick Galvin says, like, listen, we're in 27th, right? Like, that's, that's yeah. one of his things that he likes to throw out there. He, like, the place in the standings. They're, we're in 27th. The message there is like, hey – we got to be able to consider all things. And, God, we've been through this exercise before where we go, okay, well, if they want to go on and get, say, a young defenseman, right? Does everyone, does everyone in, in Canuck land want the Canucks to get a good young defenseman, right? I'd like that. You'd like that. A-Dog would like that. Laddie would love that. I'd love that. All right, how are they going to do it? They're going to have to trade something about it. I mean, yeah. How are they they're going to do it, right? Trade Oliver Ekman Larson, I believe. Yeah. That's, Can we get that's a, the strategy. Man, trade this yeah. old. Have they ever considered it? shopping him? Yeah, I think there might be some you interest. You know, they're, 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 asset, they're asset poor. They really are. The, no one wants them to trade a first round draft pick away. They just got an additional one. Go and use those draft players. Yeah. What are you going to do? Okay, you're going to trade Quinn Hughes? You're going to trade Elias Pettersson? No. Demko would net them the best return yeah, by far. So, Out of all so the players they could move. I, so I think th- asset poor is just poor, by yeah. the way. I mean, that this yeah. is the right <laughs> this straight up just, yeah, poor. Just poor. Just poor. This is the right yeah. conversation to have about this. The wrong conversation to have is, and I saw a lot of this yesterday, and I guess it's not surprising because there is some real distrust of the collective media. But people just trying to say, like, oh, look at that. No more lion Vancouver media, more people just raking mud and stirring up the muck just for no other reason. They're going to drive Thatcher Demko out of here, never mind him wanting to leave. I don't think, and we can only control what we talk about. We can only control our narratives. Like, I can't, I don't control the other podcasts and TV shows and radio stations. But we have that attitude. No, I know. If I tried harder. But here's the thing. There is no way, after getting credible reporting from someone like Emily Kaplan at ESPN, who said that teams are calling on Demko, specifically four of them, not to logically and fairly have the conversation that that's something the Canucks have to consider. You know why? Because everything has to be considered. Everything. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Maybe you don't consider Patterson. Maybe you don't consider Quinn Hughes as trade options. But if someone called, it's that old Mark Bergevin line before he traded P.K. Subban. It's like, I can't control who I accept calls about. Mm-hmm. People call me, I pick up the phone. You should not be closed off to anything at this point. It's not like anybody in that room is a multiple Stanley Cup winner, <laughs> multiple Hart Trophy winner, Norris, Vesna, whatever. Yeah. Right? So that's the conversation. And that's what you kept bringing up. And you just brought it up again, saying if you're going to bring in good pieces, how are you going to get them? Well, it's not by trading away like your riffraff. You have to, <laughs> you have to trade away a good piece in return. 
That's why Demko. What about is- Besser and Garland? Oh, stop. Ooh, okay. I like that. We didn't we play the clip in the intro? The the the, the bloat, the excess glut of wingers mm-hmm. lamenting that was trance yesterday. See, yeah. wouldn't that be ideal though if they could trade a couple of wingers for a good young defenseman? Wouldn't right. that be great? Why can't they do that? I don't. Maybe they will. You know what? Bad managers. That's what they are. Bad managers. Yeah. But you know, um, and I I also agree with you. I you know based on what he said. Demko hasn't asked for a trade. He's being straight up. He's being very direct about it. And he said this is where he wants to be great. <laughs> I liked it when he was like, I haven't even said that to my said that to my wife because normally I lie about everything to you and tell my wife things. <laughs> He's like, I know my wife's not the leak on this one. I don't know where it's coming from. I know it's not her. Yeah, it's, you know, again, you know, I'm, I know this show is stupid sometimes, and I know it doesn't require a ton of deep thinking, but it, we do like to be a little bit more nuanced than the – big splashy headline and in this regard I think it was fair to have those conversations that were out there I'm sorry that you think that you know a couple of reports from a couple insiders is going to tear the fabric of the city apart but the reality of it is it's already been torn apart (laughs) as Patrick Alvin likes to say this team is 27th in the NHL everything should be on the table this is the best of Halford and Bruff download the full show through Apple Google Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Eight oh two on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. So you we're going to oh. talk to Dan Murphy coming up in just a few minutes, and he was at the uh, Thatcher Demko scrum yesterday, and he was the one that asked Thatcher Demko about the rumor mill. And then Thatcher Demko kind of, with a smile and a chuckle, was like, yeah, that's on you guys. He blamed Murph. He blamed, well, rightfully well, the, so. The, the collective media, but mostly Murph, I would say. 100% Murph. Murph is uh, a, a big-time rumor monger. Yeah, and he uh, He's fake news. Yeah, he is fake news. And yeah. we're going to have him up on the show in just a few minutes. But in case you missed Thatcher Dem- Demko's comments yesterday on the rumor mill and the reports that he wants out of Vancouver... Here they are. The rumor mill runs hot sometimes. That's your word. Yeah, that's on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but when you hear reports that uh, you want out, what do you yeah. think? You know, I, I, it was a little frustrating for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not even here to defend myself. You know, talking to you guys, I'm out on the sidelines and I start seeing that stuff popping up. But, you know, it's not true. I'll just say that point blank. Um, I've uh, I've seen uh, a few things you know floating around, but um, you know I've, I've never said that, not even to my wife or, or anyone you know close to my circle. Um, I have no idea where that started, but uh, yeah. By the way, on the subject of Canucks goaltending, I guess we should mention that uh, Spencer Martin's gone now. He's on his way to Abbotsford to play some games, and Archer Seelovs is going to be the backup for what one game maybe? Because it sounds like Demko wants the backup on Saturday. Right. I wonder if they'll give Seelovs. Anything. Hey, play him tonight. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, just At throw him point. in there. Yeah. Look at Greg. Oh, no. the sanctity of the goal. 
Yeah. Just let him play. No, it does sound like Delia is going to get the start tonight, and he will be backed up by Arthur Silovs. And then I imagine that Delia will get the start Saturday if Demko is indeed going to back him up. Then the Canucks have a couple days off. I think their next game is Tuesday in Nashville. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, that could be Demko's first start. Uh, now, if Delia doesn't play well tonight, maybe they do say, all right, well, Seelofs. The Islanders just game lost against, to – You want a game I, against the Flyers? They're not that good. The Islanders just lost to Kevin Mandelizzi. Yeah. I had no idea who that guy was. And then you said he's not a rando, though, right? He's not a rando Lizzie. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're waiting to use that line. No, but, what's his, but he's not. Uh, like he was a, a draft blue, pick. He was picked by the yeah, Senators. But, but he's not like a blue chip no. prospect or anything. No, he was no, like a no. six round pick like four years ago. Yeah, but he's he's a legit guy. He got asked to the World <laughs> Junior. A, he is a legitimate camp. guy. <laughs> well, he got asked to the World Junior camp. Like, he's not just a, a guy who floated his way through a junior career, he had some pedigree. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying he wasn't like, a blue chipper. No, Mikey DiPietro was the starting goalie at a World Junior. Right. It hasn't exactly panned out for him at the NHL level. Every either, World Junior but. player has always worked out historically. My point in all of this, aside from wanting to say Rando Lisi on the air, is that you can't. Why they? There's no reason why they couldn't play Seelofs tonight. I love the name Justin Pogi. That's all yeah. I have to say about that. And I will die on the hill that he should have gotten more of an NHL opportunity. Uh, that's it, was, just, it was the choice between him and Tuka Rask. That's the right? hill you're going to die on? Of yeah. all the hills in the world to die on, that's the one? He went to Sweden and had a 920-plus save percentage. your finger at me when you're talking about <laughs> he Justin He went to Bogey? the SHL and was a legit starting goaltender. You're telling me he couldn't go in the NHL and who, at least be a backup? Who points like that? He's, we've never needed a dog cam more than right now because Greg is so dialed <laughs> in. lecturing me about Justin Pogue. I'm doing the eyes thing. I'm watching. We, I, I need more of this Greg in my life. Dan really. We'll just bring up Jack Eichel. Oh, bring up Eichel. Right. We'll, Eichel, oh. hatred, and goalie love. His two biggest passions. And Blue Jays baseball and Eric Kinski. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Dan Murphy joins us on the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Murph? What's going on, fellas? Wasn't there a, a Vancouver Giants goalie that played in the World Juniors too? Was it Slade? Does that sound right? Ask Laddie. He'd know. Dustin Slade? Did Laddie? he get invited? I think so. But maybe I'm making that up. Maybe it was just more like <laughs> Memorial Cup or something. I'm not sure. Right on. Good start. I was just thinking of a random goalie too. Uh, you That's asked. All I come up with. <laughs> Murphy, Murphy asked Thatcher Demko yesterday about the, the rumor mill, and then he, he blamed the rumor mill on, on the collective media. Not Halford and I. We, we haven't discussed that at all. But, it sounded uh, like he was blaming Murph. It sounded like he was blaming Murph, yeah. Um, what was it like chatting with Thatcher Demko yesterday? He was in good spirits. I mean, I think he was happy that he hadn't had to talk to us since December the 1st, likely. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think the question had to be asked. Kevin Woodley has, has, has said that, He's refuted that, but we'd never heard it from Thatcher himself, right? Like Kevin had talked to him. Um, so, I mean, but it all depends on what you believe, right? If you believe that he wants out, you're going to say, well, what else is he supposed to say? Of course he's going to say that. And if you believe that he doesn't want out, you're going to say, see, right from the horse's mouth, he doesn't want out. So, um, you know, I have no reason not to take him at face value on this one. Um, and yeah, and I, I thought that yesterday he, he gave some good answers. He's always... I don't know if he always wants to talk to us, but when he does, uh, he, his answers are, are, are pretty thoughtful um, in terms of battling through uh, some emotional scar tissue, some physical scar tissue to get back to this point. Uh, but he's excited. Uh, I, I don't know when he'll start next, perhaps Nashville, if he's going to back up and nothing goes wrong uh, for Saturday against Philly. Um, but yeah, no, I thought he was he was quite good and quite thoughtful in his answers yesterday. And I mean, he's, he's always articulate. He's a bright guy. Uh, I just think that his, 
I don't think he likes to break down every single goal scored against him in post-game scrums, as mm. most goalies don't. And I think that that's probably where he gets you know, a little bit snarky sometimes, and, and, and so be it. Do you think he understands the or appreciates the the speculation part of of the report or of the of the trade uh, rumors? Like a, a lot of it from our end, I can't speak for for anyone else in the media, but from our end, it, it's not so much like oh Thatcher Demko is so unhappy that he wants out. It's more like hey the Canucks aren't very good, and they need some pieces, and if they're not going to trade. Petey and they're not going to trade Hughes and they don't want to trade any more first round draft picks. You kind of just go down the list of assets, legitimate assets that they had that they could use to go out and get a good young defenseman because they need a good young defenseman. And in theory, you could put the argument out there that it's easier to go find a goalie than it is to find a good young defenseman. So do you think he understands that or appreciates that or even cares about that element of the speculation? Well, like I said, he's bright. I'm sure he's thought about that. And first off, like I guarantee there's not one player in that locker room that hasn't thought to themselves, man, I, you know, I wonder what it'd be like somewhere else, somewhere you know, where people are winning and when you have a shot at the playoffs and, you know, it hasn't been changeover with management and coaches and we continue to lose. Like, there's not one guy in that room that hasn't thought to that themselves privately right? Guarantee it. I mean, of mm-hmm. course you would. It's human nature. Yep. Um, as for, as for Demko himself, um, you know, I, you know, he's still relatively young, right? There's not a lot of miles on him as a starting goaltender, but if you're looking at it as when is the competitive window going to be with this team, it's not going to be in the next two years unless something absolutely miraculous happens. So, you know, I, I'm sure he's thought of that. Like what, if I play well here, what kind of haul could they get for me this off season? Uh, and you would think it would be substantial for teams that are trying to, uh, you know, hit their window for the next three years. So uh, he understands it, whether or not um, he's thought about it much more than that. I, ha- I have no idea. Do you think we'll see something happen um, with Luke Shen, a decision made on whether he's going to stay or go soon? Because I understand the, the trade deadline is until March 3rd, but from what I also understand, his wife is expecting, and I'm sure they want some finality on where he is going to be when the baby comes. Yeah. Yeah, and um, first off, I think he's probably already past the point of, of her being able to fly commercial. I would guess, right? I mean, I think that I think her due date is the deadline day, like March third. Uh, I don't think you can fly within a you know a few weeks of of that. So I'm I'm guessing that 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 point is already passed in terms of her joining him uh, on a commercial flight with two other young children. So uh, this is probably just a very stressful time. I, I still think that he'll likely be moved unless there's absolutely nothing that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know about you guys. Um, I, like, I, I would think that they would hope for a second-round draft pick. A third you could probably still take. But if, if you guys are offered a fourth-round draft pick for Luke Shen, are you taking that right now? I don't know. I don't know if the, the value of that compared to what, you know, he, he still kind of offers uh, in terms of a sixth defenseman or fifth defenseman. So um, it all depends, I think, on the return. I would guess they're going to get, you know, a second and if that's the case, then I would guess that he's going to get moved because mm-hmm. this management has said we can't let free agents or unrestricted free agents die on the vine. And 
uh, as much as Luke wants to stay and as much as his situation kind of sucks in terms of uh, the family right now, uh, I, I, he knows it's a business too. And, you know, he was talking about it the other day. I, I'm not sure if you guys ran the sound, but uh, their second child was born, and, and at the age of two months, he left for the bubble, the playoffs. Well, of course, they won the cup. He was gone for three months, 90 days. Yeah. So he left when the child was two months old and came back when the child was five months old. So that is not easy uh, on the wife. No matter what people say, oh, suck it up, you're making no You know, anybody that's dealt with, with wives and, and putting them in tough situations, it's not easy. So um, it just kind of sucks for him that this situation is, 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 you know, kind of arising again. Hey, Murph, did you get a chance to see uh, watch practice yesterday? I did. Um, I did. How different was it from a typical NHL practice? Well, I, I mean, in terms of the the walking through the drills, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've seen it um, that way. I mean, of course, there's always times where coaches come in and the practice stops and he's skating around and say, okay, you got to be here, you got to be here, but not when they're going – uh, you know, place to place. The puck moves the point, and they send the forward out to check them. Then they move it somewhere else, and someone moves to that point. They do that four or five times, and then they run the drill. I don't know if I've seen that before, but clearly Rick Tockett thinks this team needs to be taught, and I don't know if I can disagree with that considering what we've seen defensively from this team, on the penalty kill from this team, whether or not you think it's personnel. Uh, you can't have the worst penalty kill in the history of the league since it's been tracked. I just don't think you can have that. So it, clearly he feels they need to be taught. Uh, I thought it was a, you know, a, quite a comment from him after. He's like, I don't care if they're tired tomorrow you know, in the game. Uh, this teaching right now is more important. And so I think that really shows you how far he feels they need to go still to get back to where they need to be or to get to where they need to be. I don't think they've ever been there. Uh, I, I think that you have seen some improvements. There's been two dogs, no question. The Seattle game, terrible. The Detroit game a couple of nights ago, terrible but you know maybe it's quality competition but i think you have seen some improvements uh but you know it's it, there's still a lot of room to grow for sure what have you thought about uh rick Tockett thus far in, ter- in terms of a personality and his ability to answer questions hold scrums and all that i know there's the new car smell still with any head yep. coach and eventually that stuff will probably get tired and he'll probably get frustrated with the media but for now the honeymoon is still on. I actually, I, like yesterday's scrum, for example, I thought was great because we really got some insight into things that we don't normally get to see. I wonder if that has to do with TV training or whatever, but uh, my impressions anyway, I, I like what Rick Tockett has to say in the way that he says it. I do too. And two, I'll give you two things on that. Like he's been in tough situations as head coach before, like the lightning when he was there, a train wreck, right? And then Arizona, with all the ownership and that type of stuff, was train wreck as well. And now he comes in here. So he's used to dealing with tough situations. Uh, he's been great. But this is not the time that I think I'm going to evaluate him on that. I think it's going to be next training camp. Right? That's when the, the heat officially starts for him. He's getting his 35 games right now to evaluate, to try to put his stamp on the systems, to teach, to tell management who he thinks can succeed and who can't. So I think the pressure starts for him as a coach next training camp. And I think that's when maybe maybe we'll see a change in personality. Maybe we won't. But I think if we're going to, that's going to be the time. Do you get the feeling that the Canucks just have to overhaul the personnel on the PK and it's less about teaching these guys and it's more about just bringing in guys that have those defensive instincts? I think so. But I, I'm just I'm basically going by any time I've heard Yannick Hansen talk about it. And he yeah. basically says, you know, the penalty kill is 100% personnel. You know, it might be the odd guy you can teach, 
but if you don't have those instincts, and I think it's kind of like a guy like Pedersen. He can kill penalties because he's got the instincts of where the puck's going. He can read the play. He can get his sticks in the right lane. Um, so, you know, obviously you can you can teach guys where to be, where they should be, but if they don't have the instincts to read the plays that's going on, it's not, it's not going to be that great. Um, and when, you know, let's be honest here, uh, I've been loath to blame the goaltenders because of, you know, first off, their experience coming into the season, and secondly, the defensive environment that they've been in, which has been terrible. Uh, but the goaltending hasn't been great either, even when you factor in what, uh, you know, expected save percentage, you know, which Woodley would talk about. I think they're even below. I mean, maybe Delia is around uh, average, but, um, you know, yeah. uh, Martin hasn't. So, um, you know, all of those things combined probably has made what this penalty kill is. But I, I certainly am not going to go against what Hansen says. Uh, you either know how to do it or you don't, and it's very tough to teach. Uh, before we let you go, we started with goaltending. Well, I'm with goaltending. You just mentioned goaltending. Um, Martin is down in Abbotsford. It sounds like Demko wants to try him back up on Saturday. So the answer to this might be pretty straightforward. It's just you bring Silovs up and let him back up tonight, and that's it. But uh, do you think it could play out in any other way? I know Talkett said that they had a plan with regards to how the goaltending is going to shake out. I may have just unveiled that plan. But could you see something <laughs> where they give Silovs a game because he's done really well in the American League and has earned a shot? Or is this just a couple days of NHL pay for him? Well, maybe, maybe it's a little carrot, give him one game and just say, hey, well done, kid. And I am rooting for that because anytime we can say, let's have an arty party, I'm in. Nice. Well done, Murph. Uh, Okay, we're going to let you go on that note because there's no better way to end. Uh, (laughs) Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, We'll do this again next Wednesday. You got it, boys. No, we won't. Two weeks from now. Right, sorry, two weeks from now. You're a bi-weekly guy, I forgot. Enjoy the next two weeks, Murph. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Murph. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya. Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own here on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 6. He just sort of panicked there for a second. Join us next week. He's like, oh, oh God, no. Yeah, he quickly backed out of that one. You'll <laughs> nope. notice that. He's like, nah, uh uh-uh, read my contract. Anyway. Better Murph. than pulling a Moj. That's true. At least he shows up for these ones. Mm-hmm. Moj apologized eventually. He was late on that too, was he not? He did. He, <laughs> yeah. he was a busy travel day, he said, unfortunately. Did the travel day pop up out of nowhere? Did he not know that he was leaving Arizona? I digress. We'll just leave it. <laughs> it's not a big deal. I'm not upset. It's fine. I think you are. Uh, no, I'm not. I want to do a what we learned. Um, I'm going to do... You a, have one? Yeah, a golf one too. A golf one? Yeah. So you're going to have to fill in the blanks because I don't have all the details here. Oh, good. uh, This weekend, Tiger's hosting his own tournament, correct? He is the host of a tournament that's been going on for a while. Okay, so give me the details on the tournament. It's in Los Angeles. This is the same tournament where a couple of years ago, on the way to the tournament, he had his car accident. It's at Riviera Country Club, uh, one of the more famous courses on the regular tour, and the players love it. Uh, There's a reporter, a golf journalist analyst by the name of Kevin Van Valkenburg. You're familiar Mm -hmm. with his work? So they did the media yesterday with Tiger, and this was really interesting to me. Really good question. Talking about with someone as decorated, he's the big greatest golfer of all time. Um, Some would say Jack, but yeah, okay, let's but, not get into that right now. Right. Um, the idea of changing from um, Tiger the competitor to like Tiger the mascot, where you're kind of an ambassador for golf and you show up, but mm-hmm. everyone's like, there he is. Don't he asked Tiger that? He said about that. That <laughs> how do you feel about being the mascot of golf? The Tiger? question is in the the clip. Yeah, okay. he didn't he didn't put it as crudely as I did, but it was the <laughs> it was you could and you can't watch it unfortunately. But you can actually hear Tiger really thinking about the answer because I think there's that 
part of him that realizes I'm not going to be able to go out and win tournaments like I used to anymore. But I believe he did say that, like, if I show up to a tournament, I expect to win. Let's hear from Tiger Woods now. Question and answer from uh, yesterday's media availability. Tiger, you referenced Arnie and Gary playing 50-plus Masters. Is there any part of your competitive DNA that would allow you to enjoy? I'm not playing that many. Sorry. But like, I'm sorry. Is in tournament golf? Is there? Yeah. You know, you, you <clears throat> reference like the history of the game and uh-huh. the celebration people. If you're 60 and you don't wake up with the irrational belief I can win this tournament, could you still enjoy any of it? I, I, I don't. I have not come around to the idea of being. If if I'm if I'm playing, I'm playing to win. Okay, I, I know that players have played and they are ambassadors of the game and trying to grow the game. I. I, I can't have my mind. I can't wrap my mind around that uh, as as a competitor. If I'm if I'm playing in the event, I'm I'm going to try and beat you. Um, I'm there to get a W. Okay, so I, I don't understand that making a cut's a great thing. Um, I, if I enter the event, uh, it's always to to get a W. And I, there there will come a point in time when my body will not allow me to do that anymore. And it's probably sooner than later. Um, but wrapping my head around that 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 transition and being an ambassador role and just playing and just trying to be out here with the guys, no, that's not in my DNA. Um, ambassador role and hosting events like this and hosting the, the Genesis Invitation um, or Hero and doing those type of things, I, I totally get it. Uh, but as a player, you know, I flip the hat around and become a player. Um, from a player standpoint, it, yeah, I'm, I'm here to get that W. So what'll be interesting to me going forward is if Tiger continues to play the Masters every year, because that's his tournament, right? Like that's that's the major that we all associate with with Tiger, yeah. and he'll have a lifetime exemption. Exemption, like we we see guys tee off at the Masters every year, older guys that won the tournament years and years ago, and they keep playing. And like Sandy Lyle will be out there. He's like, I'm probably not going to win this, right? But he's he's still there. But yeah. so how long will Tiger play that? Now, mm-hmm. part of the thing is that you actually do have to remain healthy enough to swing a club. And I do wonder if Tiger's body will make the decision for him. Like ignoring the ca- near catastrophic car accident that he got in. Yeah. He underwent four back surgeries in the span of three years. Yeah. His back is a mess. Yeah. And I, now here's the thing. I don't think his um, knees are that great either. No. Like, his body's broken down. He's mm-hmm. 47 years old. He's closer to 50 than he is to 40. It's my age, by the way. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. You're not winning the Masters anytime soon either. So. I, I'm I mean, there I, to get a W. Yeah. I didn't put as much torque on my back. Now, here's the thing, though. I love... Except ev- carrying the show. I love... Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love everything that he said in that clip. I, I, I love it. Like, he's just... I, I guarantee you... That there are probably very few athletes that are going to have a harder time coming back to reality or yeah. acknowledging that they're not going to be able to kick someone's ass anymore. Well, especially after it's, especially after he won the Masters just yeah. a few years ago and and proved everyone wrong because everyone was saying, "Oh, you're done, you're done, you're done." There are these histories of these older golfers, former greats, that will come out and play unbelievable mm-hmm. at a crazy age. Whether it's Jack winning the Masters, I think he was 46. Tom Watson was in the mix at yeah. like the U.S. Open. I think like I don't know how old it. I think he was like nearly 60, 
yeah. he was legitimately in the mix in one of the I can't remember the tournament exactly, but these guys just find some magic sometimes. Yeah. And I think Tiger will go in with the attitude of, I probably won't win, but I'm sure going to try because I'm Tiger Woods. He doesn't even sound like he's close to that, though. Like, it's, it's funny because, like, when you, you know, some guys play like beer league. Like, I've, like, I'm, I'm, got bad, not pleasant person to be around, especially when we're playing sports competitive. So, you use it, your snap show. It's because I still, like, genuinely hate losing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know the stakes are minimal at best and non existent in yeah. reality. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. None of it matters. It doesn't matter if we win 2 0 on Friday or lose six. It doesn't matter to anybody. Like, yeah. Everyone's still going home and going to work on Monday. And I, I, I just can't get there and you're mentally. You're a goalie? Yeah, I just can't get there mentally. I don't know right. why. I because I know I You'd know. You'd be that, so much happier if you do, though. I know. I get that. I made a decision like ten years ago, after my beer league, that I was no longer going to be upset about being not good anymore because I'm not good anymore. It's just one of the things that Tiger and I have in common anymore. <laughs> Where you I used to be good? something. You used to be something. Well, I, you know, I was better than I am now. It's got Shut nothing. Down, but, no, 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 no. It's got nothing to do. I wasn't with... a hacky sack king like you were. Yeah. But, well, you, know. you are. But, but remove. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Remove whatever level you play at, or however good or bad you are. But there's something about doing something competitively, mm-hmm. and then going out and knowing that the sole purpose isn't to win. That there's other things to consider. That's at its essence, right? Yeah. Because that's what Tiger has. Like, Tiger showing up to the Masters at a certain point isn't going to be to win the green jacket. It's going to be to hit the ball down the fairway when he's got a tiny little old man swing. And it's actually a lot. waves and claps. Yeah. You know? You're, like, yeah. I hate saying mascot, but that's what it is. Well, they have the honorary, uh, the Masters, they'll have the guys that are the honorary, I can't remember what they call it. They, they just hit the opening shot. Yeah, like, right? that, like that's what and, I mean. And I don't even know if they continue their round, half of them. They're just, they're just like, congratulations, you can still swing a club, right? right. And it yeah. actually is quite an accomplishment yeah. for some of those guys. You should really lean into, uh, maybe it's different being a goalie, but I think you should lean into getting older and crappier at sports. You're not fast anymore. You're, you're not a yeah, great... But see, you're yeah, going but, down the wrong road. Is this? I, I'm cognizant of all of that. I understand that, like, it doesn't matter and nobody's any good and everyone's old. So I just I don't like losing, and that's always the first thing that comes into my mind. But you're so good at it. I know, and it happens enough that I should get used to it. Yeah. But that's still the drive. That in itself is a skill. I do understand that. Is this talk therapy we're going through right now? What is, yes. what is happening it's, here? It's what we learned. This is incredible. Why, why do you why, would you feel that you're not good enough? Is that is that what's going should on? Should we bring in a couch? Again, like yeah. I said, it's just guys like me and Tiger – are just wired differently than the rest of you peons. I don't yeah. know what to say. No, I just found that clip really interesting because it's very clear, like, he's going into <laughs> this tournament and, and future tournaments, and he's not going to be like, I'm here to sign autographs, mm-hmm. right? Even though, yeah. I mean, what's the reality that he's going to... And but I know he, he but, did it but, at the Masters, but he's he's just so banged up. Yeah, but you know what? To be fair, like, I know he made those comments, and they sound kind of like, you know, like, oh, he's still super competitive. Tiger has mellowed in an incredible way over the last little while. That's fair. Like, he he used to not talk to anyone out mm-hmm. on the course. 
He wouldn't smile at the gallery. You, you know, like he, he has definitely changed. And I think as he gets older and he matures, like some people do, not you, but no, but I'll, mature. I will eventually. I mean, it's time. Yeah, you're in your forties. Few, few decades, you'll be there. Yeah, eventually. like, but everyone gets there eventually. Right? All right, uh, so we gotta, we gotta, we're running out of time. I feel like the therapist, like, okay, that's enough time. We'll maybe look. We'll let's let's chat again next week. I do feel better. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple. Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.